I think another thing that's different about crap is I've been to many talks where I'm, I'm sitting in the audience and I feel like I'm being spoken at and it's not the best environment to encourage people to network and talk about the subject. So with crap, it's always such an open atmosphere and everyone's like calling out questions from the audience and it becomes very interactive, which is great. Definitely. I think to add to that and for our events anyway, set crap talk, there's even if you kind of are aligned with one of the speakers and that you do something similar to them or have worked in a similar industry, there's always something to take away from the event, uh, especially if there's something different at the end, which Gav will probably elaborate on in a minute. Uh, but there's always something interesting and enlightening to go away from, which is something that I don't find a lot of events do uh, very well. So, uh, Pavin, you mentioned it. Why don't you, why don't you elaborate on the, something different for our listeners? Um, all, you know, which will probably initially just be you, me, and uh, Sabrina. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, w- what is the something different? Yeah. Well, the, one of the wonderful things about crap talks events is that it's not just industry uh, related. So sometimes we have uh, takeovers. So we have, for example, we hosted one event at Hotels.com, and majority of the speakers were from conversion rate analytics or product from there. But we also had something different at the end, someone not from the organization and also just something completely different. And that one, I remember being a data scientist, just telling people that they're doing data science wrong and how to do it right. But uh, in a sort of comical, non-patronizing way, Uh, we've had anything from slam poetry to couch tunes. We had a couple of people uh, come in and, and sing. We had an opera singer last time, and whilst it sounds quite um, arts-heavy, I would say there's definitely a balance between the events, between sort of arts and just a completely different subject. I remember someone coming talking to us about uh, their research and analyzing poop, <laughs> which was quite apt for the end of our talk. Mm-hmm. That was a memorable one. Do you guys both remember your very first event? Obviously, I remember my first one. Um, uh, I was there as I started, but um, Sabrina, do you remember your very first event? I do. So... I remember I came and said, I have to give you a hug because you know my dad and he says that Bav is always um, a pro-hugger guy. (laughs) So that was the first time I met you. And I remember one of the talks that stuck in my head from that one. First of all, I went in and I was very shy and Bav tried to throw me into some groups to chat to people, which he still does today to newcomers. Um, and the, the talk at the end was a guy um, who was talking about like predictive analysis uh, about whether or not people will get divorced. Oh, yes, Tim. Um, and yeah, really, really funny and interesting and it's real research that's been done and it's it's like 99% accurate or something like that I'm probably misquoting yeah and I think um it's you know you guys mentioned uh the community and like you know I, I throw people into the thing I, I think it's one of the things I hate most is is being I, I you know when you go to an event and you're the, you don't really know anyone um and you, you don't know who the organizers are and it's you know it's hard to get um you know, so you kind of like keep yourself to yourself or you can stay near the drinks bar or, you know, you, you, you munch on some of the nibbles that are probably like floating around. Um, I, I really hate that. So I think one of the things I'm trying to overcome, uh, and I think we all do it well, quite well, actually, is we, we go and introduce ourselves and we say hello to attendees. Um, I always try and recognize new faces. Um, so I, so for those of you who are listening, we have a cult following on our Slack channel, like the, you know, the regulars who are so comfortable, I don't even need to say hello now. But there's always a there's always a new face and there's always someone who, you know, who hasn't come in a group or with a friend. Um, so it's it's nice to go and say hello to them. Um, so, just so you know, we, we we talked about like the different topics. Um, uh, you mentioned um, uh, CRO, analytics, and product. Um, I think one of the things I really 
I don't know about how you guys, but the industry events you used to go to, like, um, we all talk about these silos that happen in our organization. And I, I, and I guess, to a certain extent, we perpetuate those matters worse by having events and uh, go, you know, these type of communities and meetups and conferences that are very much uh, single track purposes. So, you know, there's an analytics event or there's a product event or uh, there is a CRO event or there's a marketing event, you know. Um, and in, in the office, we, we try to um, communicate and encourage collaboration and cross-functional behavior. But we still keep ourselves to ourselves, you know, and the data science community as well, you know, there's data science only events. And and I found that was that was strange. And and again, kind of going back to this motif of a Venn diagram, is there is there's so much um crossover and collaboration. Actually, you know what? Um we obviously we just we're just we've just come off the back of um Crap Talks 14. And the theme that resonated most, I don't know if you guys picked up on it, was how each and every speaker, so we had um a, a head of CRM, a data scientist, an analyst, and a head sorry, head of analytics and head of insights, and they all talked about cross-functional collaboration. Do you guys have that where you work? Um and do you find it strange that it, these events are just very much um you know single purpose? Yeah, definitely. I like I, at Expedia at least. Um, every team is made up of like five or six different disciplines, and I can learn from these people at work. But it's so helpful to socialize with these people as well outside of work and just hear anecdotes from other companies. I guess it makes you um, better at your job if you understand the pain points. Because Sabrina, you mentioned you're a product manager. So um, <laughs> having worked with product managers in the past myself, and uh, as and I currently do, I know I always have an opinion on product. Um, and I guess the role of a product manager is to listen to your stakeholders. It's, it's to listen to your customers and try to bring all of that in to build a product that is, um, that, you know, that is fit for purpose. You know, you, you, I always find product managers are the voice of the customer. Um, but there's all other people that will have great ideas and, you know, who will be interacting with customers in a very different way who will be able to feed into what you do. Yeah. And the great thing about some of the events that we've had is that it's not just CRO, analysts, uh, product people speaking, but we've had people like psychologists and scientists and all kind of things that aren't so, they aren't strictly related to our jobs, but it's there's so much insight that we can get from those talks, even though they're not part of our day to day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we kind of go on, I, I, I kind of made a note here for myself to talk about the mission, and it's just it's just going to be like a single sentence. So the Crap Talks mission statement, to inspire passion, build knowledge, grow the community. And I, and I feel like we, we try to check off each one of those at each event with the Slack Talks community, uh, sorry, with the Crap Talks community, um, with the YouTube channels that we have, you know, and I feel like that's something that, that certainly I'm very passionate about. And I, and, you know. I think 2,000 other people agree with you as well. I mean, big milestone this week. We had two, just over 2,000 members join the Crap Talks meetup group, which is hugely exciting. So clearly other people seem to agree with what we're, what we're doing, which is nice to see. Yeah, and I, I think I just I, I was I was going through the the re, the ratings that um that are the attendees gave on on Meetup this morning. So I don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at this. We scored four point nine out of five, which is the highest one we've had since uh, wow. since we've launched. Um, well, since we sorry since we started collecting feedback, I, I think we started that quite late. Um, <laughs> this has been a learning curve for for all of us. And um, you know, like what do what do you guys feel like you've you've learned most doing this in this entire process? It doesn't have to be from a talk specifically, but the whole you know it could be from organizing events you know um, like this is a new skill set type of way um i think for me i started coming to the talks to learn um but just quickly realized that there's so much more value in like getting used to introducing myself to people and then getting involved with the organizing 
like having to have my face seen more by the attendees and do some introductions for speakers, which it's just like public speaking for me is not a thing that I've ever wanted to do. So starting to get used to doing that um, has been really, really good. Why did you know? Why did you take the leap? Why did you put yourself forward? You know, when I, when we, I remember that when we were having a chat, um, like the group, like the Crap Talks Brain Trust, um, when I want to take a step back in, you know, presenting, I think you hesitantly put yourself forward. You know, you took that leap. I think I tend to, I don't like the word, le- the term lean in, but I try to lean into things that scare me most. So, doing something that's going to make me more visible and have to be in front of people, um, when that's the thing that I'm probably not so good at, um. I kind of knew I had to do it just to inoculate myself in a way. Okay, I think this podcast is a good example of that as well because I think you were on the fence yeah. <laughs> when I when I mentioned it in the in the brain trust Slack group. Um, <laughs> I think you kind of kind of like I think I vol- I, I end up volunteering you for a lot of stuff. Don't I? Yeah, you have a tendency to just throw people into stuff, which I I love and hate at the same time. <laughs> Parveen, what about you? Um, you know, why do, you obviously dedicate a tremendous amount of your time as well, um, supporting the community, helping organize events. You know, like you know, why and you know why did you get involved? You know, what do you what do you feel like you you've gotten out of it? Yeah, I think for well, the first bit of I think we connected over LinkedIn after um, a measure camp, which was really interesting because I just I remember you specifically from one of the sessions I had gone to, but I was kind of a, a timid, lone soul, didn't really know many people. Um, and you had a, a call out for, does anyone know how to ask for sponsorship and organize that? And I have experience with that in a previous job. So I reached out, guns blazing, let's get going. And um, I think you'd we, kind of thought of that by then. But then when I told you about my sort of event management experience, that was uh, definitely a green light to go ahead and get involved. And uh, for me, I was um, I do always like to volunteer my time somewhere. And uh, since moving from Canada, I haven't really found an organization to sink my teeth into to volunteer, to build something, but also to learn from. And what really excited me about Crap Talks was your vision for the events to be something different, engaging, not salesy, and sort of not industry or profession specific. So um, yeah, I was totally on board with that. In terms of what I've gotten out of it, uh, all the learnings. I mean, every talk has something that, uh, whether it's an anecdote or something I can apply at work, uh, always something super useful, but just meeting really incredibly interesting people at huge companies. I mean, especially in London, we're so lucky to have so many different uh, companies here and to be able to go into their offices and actually see where they work and see how they're solving problems uh, is a really cool thing. Yeah, and I think you you know you mentioned um, I, I, two things you mentioned there around obviously the diversity of London. Um, I, I agree. I think London we have such bright minds working in a, a range of fields. Obviously, other areas you know, other areas do as well. But um, London is such a it's such a hub for like a, this collective. Um, it's, it's like a beehive of this like like great minds who are building amazing products and doing just incredible work with data and analytics and product. And it's just nice to be part of that community. Um, and I think the second men- point you mentioned, and I and I realized I didn't talk about it right at the beginning. Is, is around the sponsorship and the um, and the sales sales free environment. Um, it's I, I know one of the things um, I remember this one talk and I get uh, this one conference I went to. And I, I won't name them because you know I'm not. This isn't about naming and shaming. Um, and I went to it and and before I could even get to the lecture theatre where the, the first talk was happening, I had to sort of um, you know like avoid all of the sponsored booths that they had. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with it. Obviously, you have to pay for these conferences, but um, 
there was so much noise and I just I just couldn't get past everyone who was you know like being stopped by uh, you know all of the all of the representatives and the booths and the freebies and the bags and uh, as an environmentalist I find that extremely wasteful as well like the amount of plastic and products that we that you know these events uh, create but that's, that's that's another topic which we, you know we can add to the backlog around um, events and freebies and all that stuff but um yeah it's just that sales free environment I just and I and I I remember listening, you know, talking to people and and engaging with them, you know, in the kind of the networking periods, and you know, we're, we're, they're all going, you know, we're all going through our bags of freebies, and it's like, and I realized, and I drew, a, I drew a cartoon about this, and it was called the things we take away, and I think sometimes conferences and meetups they forget the fact that actually the thing that you want your attendees to take away isn't a bag full of goodies, but a mindful of ideas, um, some, yeah. some, you know, something that they can apply tomorrow, that you know, that afternoon, next week in their day-to-day lives um, and their jobs. So very wise. <laughs> thank you. I've uh, become a wise owl. Actually, you know what? And Sabrina, you mentioned you know coming out of your comfort zone and uh, and leaning in. Um, I, 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 this was sort of the same it was that was sort of, sort of the same for me as well um i remember when i put this together and the very first crap talks meetup and uh 25 i think 25 people signed up and uh, and i sat there patiently waiting for the first attendee to turn up and in the end we had about 12 people in the room and yeah and i was i, I was just thrilled that te- you know like 12 people turned up to talk about um CRO analytics and product and we just had such a blast uh, by the end of it and it was such a conversational tone of voice by the end of it it just felt like you know we we, we could have kept we, we could have kept on going all night um and that I we think decided- that's a real testament to you Bab. I mean you create such a welcoming environment and and you've really pushed not just the brain trust but people the attendees who come to you know explore new things speak to new people and and that's a really great environment that you've created and i think it's only built from there and, and been really positive i think i'm, I'm it's, it's a it's i'm trying to um fulfill a lifelong fancy of contributing to science and uh i don't know if you guys yeah. know when i was young i was wanted to be a scientist and whilst i still run experimentations uh, they're probably not going to change the world uh, if i'm lucky they'll move the conversion needle for the company i work for um <laughs> So I figured this is the closest I'm going to be able to contribute. So this is my um, uh, altruistic um, childhood dreams coming to life. And that sounds really late. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Maybe we'll just edit that part out. No, that's really cool. I love it. So um, authentic. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I was talking to Amar. So um, Sabrina, I was talking to Amar just after the after the last crap talk. So, um, so Amar gave uh, the most fascinating talk on machine learning and its applications. And um, I was talking to him afterwards uh, on Slack. He's joined the Slack community. And um, I was, and he, you know, we were talking about crap and everything. And I was just saying, like, um, whilst I'll never be able to contribute to open source, which I'm a big fan of open source, not for profit, uh, and 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 what's the third one? This open source, not for profit, and uh, open data. Um, whilst I'll probably not con- contribute to that directly, I feel like crap talks allows is a platform for others to contribute to that. So in 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 a way, we're all sorts of contributing to open source, not for profit, and uh, and and open data. So uh, well done, you guys. Um, so just on the name, Crappy Hour, uh, Sabrina, you, you came up with this. Um, how did we get to Crappy Hour? I feel like we, you know, we went through a whole bunch of things. I feel like it was any anything we could shoehorn the word crap into, to be honest. Um, Just a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of options. Ultimately, we ended up doing a um, a, a poll in the in the Crap Talk Slack community. Um, we I think Crappy Hour came very close with one of, with one of the other ones. Our poll was Crap Talks for good measure, Crappy Hour, What the Crap, and Crap Chats. Crappy Hour was in the lead with a ten, and the second the runner up was with a six. So actually, I won. 
by quite a, a fair amount. Yeah, I think um, we almost became crappy crap face, right? I think someone suggested that. So just kind of like, uh, I wanted to move, you know, obviously we've, we've, we've riffed on a bit about uh, kind of like the background of crap, but um, I thought we'd, we'd talk about some of our, like, the speakers that we've had in the past and, um, we, you know, which ones have stuck out for you guys, you know, which one's been your favourite and why? Yeah, I think in recent memory, um, when Manish Gadria, I think I said that right, uh, the VP of product at Cobol, the music company, his talk was really um intriguing for me as I'm sort of developing as a product manager, seeing what it's like with someone who's been in product for quite some years, uh, sort of give us nuggets of wisdom of how to organize teams. So uh, if, you know, the company is quite small, it's about, you know, obviously there's lots of collaboration that needs to happen at any stage, but as the company grows and depending on what the roadmap looks like, how to organize for speed and, and organize in different ways. So, you know, do you centralize your analyst team? Do you have analysts on each product team or product squad? This is a, this is a term I've come across quite a lot recently. Um, so squads being, you know, made up of, uh, just sort of cross-functional teams. Um, yeah, that for me was was a real standout in um, sort of thinking about working at, in a small company as I do. How do we set up our product team? Uh, at the at moment, it's sort of one and a half people, <laughs> and um, that's going only going to grow. And so, you know, how do we optimize that for optimal delivery of our product and ultimately pleasing our users? That for me, huge standout. Yeah, so actually Manish um, is is usually an exception to the uh, list of speakers that we have. He's a great speaker, and actually, I try, I've been trying to shoehorn him into mentoring me for quite some time now. And um, he's 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 quite he's quite a bit more senior in terms of his where he is on his career ladder than we usually have. Um, normally, like the, one of the things I try to find when I'm looking for a speaker is someone who's still very much knee deep um, in in the work that they're talking about themselves. They're you know they're in the they're down in the trenches. They're still experts in their field. You know they haven't um, ascended to 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 a position that's so high that they're 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 out of touch with the department that they that they look after. And actually, Manish was um was an exception because uh, I think it's good for sometimes you know sometimes you know I, I whilst I look for people who are still very much hands-on it's good to see what an, asp what an aspirational point could potentially be so especially from a, from a product manager standpoint i mean i'm not a product manager but i look at someone like manish and i think to myself you know that's somewhat that's where i want to be and actually you know his pearls of wisdom were great to help me get there so um uh, yeah no he's a great one um Tabrin, what about you yeah i think similar to what you were just saying um what is the photo box founder graham hobson we had him um a while back and it wasn't, he was basically talking about his story and how he came to create Photobox and all the kind of hurdles and milestones along the way. And it wasn't directly related to product or like day-to-day -day analytics or CRO, but it was really quite inspiring to just see such an established company and then see all the steps that it took to get there. Um, so that's probably one that stuck out for me. The one that stuck out most for me is probably the most controversial one, which was um, I'm sure you guys remember Sean McGear. Um, yeah, the data scientist, and we held we we held that one at uh, Hotels.com. Um, Sean's talk was brilliant. I think it was. Um, it was I, I was a bit nervous about Sean's talk actually because so I came across Sean now. I, one of my tricks for finding great speakers is to go out to events which are outside my industry and our industry. And um, I remember going to this one. It was around. It was. Uh, it was a very data science one, uh, which I wouldn't normally go to, but I, I wanted to just put myself a bit out there. And 
I, I listened to Sean talk, and you know he's he, you know he had this dry New Zealand Kiwi sense of humour, which was fantastic. And after the event, I literally cornered him, and we spoke for a good hour, um, right up until the point where you know we walked down to the train station. And I said to him, I was like, dude, you have to come and talk at crap. Um, and he's like, what the hell's crap? And I you know I talked to him, talked to him about product, you know, everything we we do, so uh, product conversion optimization analytics. And he signed up, and it was great. But I, I, and I remember the day before the event, I said to him, uh, Sean, can you send over your, your slides to me? And he's like, actually, Bav, I'm probably not going to send them over uh, right now because I'm going to be editing them in real time whilst the other speakers are speaking. And I was really nervous about that because I was like, oh, my God, what's he going to say? And, um, and, and, <laughs> and, and the, I think the, you know, we had a couple of talks from the hotels guys. We had um, uh, another talk from someone else. I can't remember exactly. It's pretty bad. Um, and, and, and Sean sat there making notes on his presentation and modifying it and how, he, and how his talk went from sort of like um, data and data religion. Uh, and you know, he pretty much crucified our industry, which was just fascinating. It was just, you know, it was so, you know, it was, it was delivered really well. And there were some really good bits of information and takeaways from there as well. So, you know, the humor aside, you know, he talked about like drawing and research that has already exists out there, which actually I've taken on board. And I start looking for research that um, bodies have conducted. So, like, I work in travel right now, so I try to look for what travel um, research has been done to help me with my job. But um, yeah, I think Sean's one probably stood out the most for me. Yeah. So moving on, I guess. The something different speakers, uh, you know, which which something different speakers really stood out for you guys, uh, Sabrina? What was interesting for me was the slam poetry. I mean, they've all been really, really great, and I tell everyone the next day, like, oh, you got to come to these events in the future. We got these really cool uh, acts coming through. But the slam poetry for me was was really interesting because I had actually gone to see slam poetry for the first time the week before at an event that I was at and then when I found out that we were seeing slam poetry for the second time I sort of almost appreciated a little bit more because I kind of understood a bit more about the art form the first time I saw it uh, at a different event it was um, a purely slam poetry event and uh, I thought I'd just you know partake in something different and so when it was someone I knew who was delivering it one of the other brain trust members Amy and um, and it was a, another sort of poetry colleague of hers uh, I feel like it, it meant a little bit more it really um, it it was just a fascinating thing to talk to her afterwards about how she created it and how long it took her and then I mean it's not like we were saying it from memory uh, I believe and it was uh, still just as powerful to connect with the audience in a different medium it was um that was a real standout for me yeah you know I think I think crop talks 14 was an emotional roller coaster for me um, it was funny. It, it was insightful, you know, from um, Amar's talk around uh, how police spot drug uh, trafficking. And then, you know, we had um, uh, Phil's talk, which was just hilarious, um, insightful, but hilarious. Uh, and then we, you know, we finished with um, this, this sort of beautiful uh, voice that came from Mike, which I, I so Mike's a, f a friend and ex-colleague of mine. And, um, I, you know, I, I kind of like pushed him into doing it. And I, just, I, 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 I didn't know what I was going to expect. But it was just incredible. I, I I almost cried, and I you know I I now under appreciate opera a bit more. But thanks to Mike, I almost cried in that one as well. Which actually is not so shocking for me. I cry a lot of things. <laughs> I think uh, my favorite one. I don't know if you guys remember. Um, uh, so actually, as Parveen, you took um, my slam poetry one. I think that was one of my favorites. But um, I'm not going to be lazy, and I'll I'll try and talk about something different. Um, do you guys remember Mark Ripman? So Mark, 
Mark was the tech, um, he was the, kind of like a technologist, and he was working at Cuba at the time, and um, he went viral for like twenty four to forty eight hours oh, yes. with the, the kettle with the Wi Fi kettle. Yes, <laughs> Mark's Wi Fi kettle story. Like to this day, <laughs> I, I'm I wish like we had recorded that, and I might actually ask Mark to come back and just deliver it exactly the same as he did last <laughs> time. But Mark's Wi Fi kettle um, story was brilliant for me um, because it was it was just so funny to the way he you know the way he told the market you know he's you know he's really english and you know like uh, and i think when the uh, kind of outside of the uk picks up on englishman tries you know spends 40 hours making tea it's like that is the most english talk that we could have possibly had and it was just so dry and the way he was capturing the the data that was coming through on google bigquery around how he was hated in certain parts of the country and how he was loved in other parts of the country and how he was doing this um this kind of like empathy tracking and sympathy tracking i forget what, it, what it's called and i i love that i just thought that was brilliant um yeah, so I'm going to move away from the past talks and talk about like moving the, the future of Crappy Hour. Um, you know, what, what can people expect from the future episodes? So very much like the crap talks, we want to get interesting people from within our industry, outside our industry as well, and chat to them about kind of their personal journey, how they got to where they are, and then go into um, a discussion about their field and um, whichever topic they really want to bring to the table. Um, and then each podcast episode will do a few benchmark questions at the end, which will ask the same questions to all of our interviewees. Do you know what type of questions we're going to be asking just uh, so we can prep our audience? Mm. So for our benchmark questions, we'll be asking things like about the career, like what's been a defining moment in your career? What's one thing that you've learned that has shaped who you are? And then what are they reading currently? What would they recommend? And generally any advice for people who are thinking about getting into any of our, the fields that we talk about, so product analytics, et cetera. Great. So I think, um, you know, we can, we can wrap it up there. Um, Parveen, uh, before we go, do you want to maybe tell our listeners um, how they can get more involved? Sure. So we are quite an inclusive community here. And uh, one of the reasons I was drawn to it is because you don't necessarily have to be a pro in any particular field to, to kind of be involved. Uh, we obviously have our events. So those take place in Manchester, Berlin and Istanbul. Um, the London and Manchester ones happen the most frequently, kind of every six to eight weeks. Uh, and Berlin and Istanbul are less frequent, but uh, they are there as well. We also have a website you can engage with. It's craptalk.com, and that's where you can find all of our blog posts, uh, as well as links to our YouTube channel. Or you can just go to YouTube. It's youtube.com slash craptube and see our past talks that have been recorded. Just note, not all of the talks have been recorded, um, but the... All the, the ones we've spoken about today, I believe all of them have been, which is very exciting. And lastly, but certainly not least, uh, we have a Slack community. Uh, is um, for anyone to join, lots of people asking questions and engaging. Uh, and it's also a great place to get uh, to post jobs and, and look as well. So lots of, lots of good ways to get involved there. Great, yeah. Um, so you mentioned uh, the YouTube channel. Actually, so I've, I've created sh uh, quick links for anyone that wants to access this, the, the pages from uh, you know, just by listening to this podcast. So the YouTube is bit.ly forward slash craptube. Um, the Slack community you can join by just visiting bit.ly forward slash crap slack. Um, and you can get in touch with any of us. Um, I'll let uh, let Sabrina and Parvin talk about how they can get in touch with you, but um, uh, with themselves. Uh, but if you want to get in touch with me, I'm, I'm, you can grab me on Twitter or, or LinkedIn. My Twitter handle is at dodo nerd. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place to get me. It's Parvin Downer, uh, LinkedIn. 
facebook.com slash, I think it's I am, I believe it is, slash Parveen Downer because I changed my URL that way. And I am Sabrina Cohan, C-O-H-A-N on LinkedIn or uh, I'm not going to talk about my Twitter actually. Cut that bit out. So you're not very active on uh, Twitter, um, Sabrina. No, I'm trying. Not. I try to be active, but I fall off the bandwagon a lot. Yeah, I think uh, Twitter is one of those ones. I, I had it for years, and I just I just never got involved with it. Uh, it's only in the last like two years I've really become Twitter heavy. And actually, it's it's come at the expense of uh, Facebook, so which I I'm literally down to zero. The only uh, Facebook posts I have now is if I automatically post from my Instagram account, um, which I just right. post to, uh, to Facebook. Well, you also have your cartoons, Bab, too. So you, you promote those on like LinkedIn and Twitter. As I do, well. yeah. And reporting lines. That's a uh, it's <laughs> it's a series of um, cartoons I created based on a character called Russell Crow. Uh, Crow spell CRO as in conversion optimization. Uh, I know it's very funny, not really. Uh-huh. Um, but um, the, 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 they were just um, just some kind of like doodles and satirical views on on the industry uh, and and sort of things I've seen that really wind me up. And I figured, what's a good creative outlet for me to like uh, just vent? And I figured, well, drawings are harmless, um, and I try not to make any of my subjects look like um, what they really look like. So it's usually aimed at someone, um, but I make sure I hide that. With different look and feel so uh, yeah that's a interesting engagement on linkedin i i love reading the comments <laughs> i think one you know one of these days i'm gonna get myself sacked by uh doing something controversial so uh... it's worth it they're funny enough. Cool. Well, <laughs> oh thank you uh, you guys are too kind um okay well thanks guys and um we'll we'll catch you at the next uh crappy hour episode thanks guys oh, thanks.